Hello and welcome everyone. I'm so excited for you to join us today. I have a wonderful interview. I'm really excited to be joined today with Edward Lorsman. Thank you, Edward, for your time today. Thanks, Rita. It's a pleasure to join you today. Thank you. Um, for those of you that are not familiar with Edward and his wonderful, very important work, Edward is, he lives in central Ohio with his wife, Kate, and is a licensed professional counselor with Spirit of Peace Clinical Counseling. As a Catholic, a counselor, and a man who has experienced primary infertility and miscarriage, his clinical focus is supporting individuals and couples in Ohio with grief, infertility, or miscarriage through online and in-person counseling. You may find him online at grief counselingohio.com. Oh, wonderful. I'm just so excited you're here and I have prayed so much for someone like you and it's just such a gift that I have been able to, to talk to you today. So thank you again, Edward, for joining me. I appreciate the invitation, Rita. It's good to connect with you too. So tell me a little bit about um, what led you to your niche in counseling. Um, did that precede your own personal struggles or just tell us a little bit about that. Okay. Well, it's a little bit of both, I would say. My initial interest in this area, specifically focused around miscarriage, actually preceded uh, my own personal experience with miscarriage. But I was in grad school for my counseling program and I noticed a lot of friends, a lot of family experiencing issues with growing their family, specifically with miscarriage. And so I took an interest in that and thought, I, I better research this. I want to actually like look into this as a counselor. So um, that started it off. And then when I got married, right around the time I started grad school, after a while, we started realizing that we were having our own uh, issues growing our family. And so I became more keenly aware of the issue and then much more passionate about it once um, starting to experience my own journey with primary infertility. And then having a miscarriage in 2020, um, that also added that layer too. So, um, yeah, that really solidified it. It was when I was like, wow, this really sucks. Like this is really hard. Yeah. And I, and I think it is such a tricky area because some people, they don't at all know how or what to say. Um, and, and they almost, they assume like, I better just not acknowledge, right. Or not say mm -hmm. anything. And it can be a really difficult journey for those that are loving someone through it, but don't know how to. And of course, for those that oh, are experiencing it. Too. Yeah, it's a hard thing. And even people who are going through it, it's, we don't know what, like it changes what we need. Sometimes people want to talk about some people, times we don't, you know, it's, it's a tricky thing. Yeah. So for the for person who has it, let alone for somebody else who's trying to support them for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So um, can we tarry here just a minute? Like, I think sometimes too, um, I would just love to hear if you have any things you find that, of course, it's different for different people at different times, but anything that you find is always like something people should be prioritizing when they are experiencing the grief of of a miscarriage. Like, what, um, what are some things we can um, do personally in those moments, but then also how can those from the outside love them. Yeah. I think trying to give your loved one a sense of control in this is really important because there is so little control in infertility and miscarriage, right? And so when you approach them, try to give them the opportunity to indicate to you how they want to be supported. That gives them a little bit of control in this situation. So, you know, first off, maybe trying to get a gauge of, do you want to talk about this? May ask them, you know, hey, 
I've been thinking about you and your journey. Is this something you would like to talk about? If they say no, then respect that and pivot and work on supporting them in another way. But if they say, yeah, I'd love to, to speak more about it, then try to act, you know, be an active listener, try to show your interests, try to, you know, let them speak, ask questions, show them that you're engaged, reflect back what you're hearing, you know, oh, like, I can hear that you're really frustrated with this. Like, yeah, I can understand why you're so frustrated with this. So if they take you up on that, just really try to, to understand where they're coming from and express to them that you get what they're saying. Um, but again, if they say they're not into it, they'll let you know. And then, you know, try to focus on spending time with them, checking in on them, bring a meal over, you know, um, just, and me even ask the question, like, how can I best support you at this time? Knowing that again, the answer might change over time. So just try to be flexible, try to be creative, but ultimately let them indicate what it is that they would find helpful. Mm, I love that. That's really um, concrete. And it's, it's so true. We tend to kind of uh, steamroll, don't we? When we're trying to, this is what you need <laughs> instead of uh, really engaging them in that. That's um, it's almost like we're afraid to, to go there even to acknowledge. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's not a, it's, I, I, I feel like that's the misplaced fear, right? That our fear should actually be in in not showing love. Um, oh, that's be that's beautiful. I love that, Edward. Yeah. So I think you've already kind of uh, showed us this, but what makes you different from other counselors? All right. Well, I like to say one, I can really attend to that intersection between our Catholic faith and our spiritual, our Catholic spirituality, and the issues, the complex issues with uh, infertility, miscarriage, and grief. So one, I think I, you know, in my research and then also in my work with many individuals and couples with infertility and miscarriage, I've really learned a lot about different people's experiences, different versions or different uh, flavors of these experiences, because no one infertility journey is the same. No one experience of miscarriage is the same. So being able to accompany so many different people through it has really taught me a lot of the complexities of it. So I think I like to think that I can be more attentive to some of those nuances versus kind of a more generalist therapist. Um, but also, too, I've lived it. Like I, I, I get it and I'm passionate about it because I know how lonely you, you know, we can feel, you know, when we uh, are going through this, how misunderstood, um, just oh, crushed, overwhelmed, stressed, afraid, you know, I've seen it, I've accompanied people and I've lived it. So I like to think that not only do I like have the head knowledge of it, but like I have the heart and like have the lived experience. So uh, I think that's, that's the big selling point for me is, hey, if you want a therapist who gets you, um, I may be your guy. Yeah. Do you um, do you find that um, or do you oftentimes work with couples together, like the husband and the wife? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah, um, I do. I do that. It's it's I would say maybe like a third of my cases are couples. Um, otherwise, it's individuals. But that's a joy and also a challenge because you're helping them as a couple navigate that. And they're in different spots with their grief, with their coping. So it's always kind of interesting when you're trying to focus on one spouse, but you're also like, hey, I see you over there, but like, 
you know, mm. you're in a different spot or maybe it's less heavy for you. So I'm going to focus on this other, on the other spouse, you know, yeah. it's a different dynamic, but with some of my work with couples counseling previously, that kind of led me into being, in, you know, equipped for that. So it's, it's a different, it's a different experience, but I'm comfortable with that. Sure. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I think too, um, you know, especially when it, in in my work, I see people so often feeling isolated from each other because mm. their grief might be different, or like you said, at different places in their grief um, as they're you know struggling through whether it is a miscarriage or infertility, and so then they feel even more isolated, right? They feel yes. isolated from their spouse on top of it, and that's just there's such a need for that. I'm so grateful for you and your wonderful work, Edward. Thank you. Yeah. And that, that's so true, isn't it? Like when we talked about earlier about how can I support this person? Sometimes it's, it's you think of that about your spouse. How can I support them through it? You know, um, and being like, oh my gosh, my, my husband is a jerk. He just like comes at me with all these solutions. And he doesn't actually like listen to what I have to say. That's a, such a common one, right? Like, yes. um, or, Oh, like, you know, my wife doesn't see me in my grief and, you know, she's, and so like, you can just see how like they, they be pull away and my spouse doesn't care about me. They don't love me. And you just, it starts tearing at the relationship too. So, you know, infertility miscarriage can be a great point of contention, a great point of isolation, but also it can be an opportunity to grow closer and to grow deeper in your relationship. So yes, hundred percent. Beautiful. I love that. Um, so let me ask you, why is there a unique approach needed to support Catholics or Christians that are struggling with infertility? I think, well, I mean, you could technically work with just any therapist if you wanted to. As long as you got a, you clicked well, there's a good rapport, you could work with them. However, one, are you going to have to kind of explain all the nuances of, of your faith, your spirituality, uh, your morality to them? I mean, infertility is a complex issue for Catholics um, because one, there's a lot of different reproductive technologies that the church is not open to. Some of them, you know, the church was, you know, would say, okay, that's okay. Like NAPRO, you know, trying to, you know, heal the body. Um, those kind of things are okay. But really getting into the weeds of that, you might have a therapist who doesn't really understand those nuances and you might be able to coach them through that if they have an open mind. Um, and aren't letting their biases play out in the therapy room. But again, it's a lot easier when you're just like, okay, like we're on the same page. We got it. You know, I understand like your dilemma when you're like, yeah, like it really hurts when there's this technology, but I'm not going to pursue that. Um, you know, the what ifs thoughts that may pop into your head. If you're like, well, what if we tried IVF? Would we have a family at this point? Um, that's another example uh, for the infertility. So so there's, there's that, the, you know, the belief of, you know, human dignity from the moment of conception, you know, that that baby has worth in the case of miscarriage uh, from the moment of conception. So we don't, you know, there's a great, much more dignity acknowledged for that baby. And that may look differently for someone who believes in that versus somebody who doesn't have that same moral framework um, that we do. Um, so all that to say, like, it's just so helpful to have, to be on the same page and um, to like all the other things like Catholic femininity, what does it mean to be a woman when you're struggling to grow your family, when, you know, the church puts such great, beautiful emphasis on children and on family? What does that mean for a woman who, you know, and for a family when it's just a family of two, you know? So um, 
all those little complexities. I think it's worth having a very unique and niche space uh, for Catholic infertility and Catholic miscarriage. For sure, I 100% agree with you. Um, and and I think too, going back to what you were saying about you know even just with the reproductive technologies, right? And and entering into that space, knowing that you're you're speaking to someone who understands the why behind it. You're not you're not coming to um, your counseling sessions on on guard of an attack, yeah. right? Um, afraid that they're going to then say, well, you could just do that. <laughs> right. Instead, like you completely understanding where they're coming from and and helping them to navigate the, the problem. Right. The problem mm -hmm. there with that approach and oh, yeah. such a gift. Yeah. So how um, how can uh, those that aren't struggling with infertility, how can they support people in their lives that are struggling with infertility? And I just want to make sure I hear the question correctly. Could you restate that, please, Rita? Yes. Yes. How can we support people in our lives that are struggling with infertility if we, um, if, you know, perhaps they never have hmm. carried the cross of trying to conceive or, um, you know, I think especially, again, going back to the, the unique situation of a lot of Catholic circles, right? You might have one person mm -hmm. that has hyperfertility um, and, and lots of littles and um, perhaps overwhelmed by the weight of giving a pregnancy announcement. And then we have the, the dichotomy of, of friends that may also be struggling with trying to conceive at all. So how can we love um, those, especially in, in our church communities that are struggling with infertility? For sure. I think anyone can be empathetic with a person who is suffering with something that we ourselves do not experience. I mean, as a counselor, that's what I do all day. I do not have the same lived experience as every single one of my clients on my caseload. You know, some of them I do. And some of those, those are really powerful uh, alliances that I can make with clients when it's like, yeah, like I've lived that experience, but it's not required, you know, and and really you just have to enter into that other person's shoes, try to understand, just learn, come in with an openness. Okay, what is it like for them on a day-to-day -day basis to live out you know, their life with infertility? What is it like for them when they've had repeated pregnancy losses or they've experienced that stillbirth? You know, just really learning from them, what are the long-term implications of such a loss? Well, how does that intersect with their identity? How does that intersect with their faith? You know, just openness to learn and then just kind of relating with that saying oh I, again like i can hear you when you say that that really impacts your your identity and you don't know who you are because you know you're not actively living out the role as father or as mother for example so again i think it's all going back to the active listening piece that we talked about earlier it's really just diving into learning, asking questions, and just really show them that you're accompanying them, that you hear them, that you understand what they're saying. None of that requires your own lived experience. So I, I think anybody can do that with practice. It's a skill to express empathy, and um, but you can definitely learn it. Yeah, I love that too, because I think sometimes we feel like we have to be active in another way, right? Like we have to give them solutions. Did they hear? Did they know about X, Y, Z and all these mm -hmm. other things they could try? And that oftentimes becomes more hurtful, right? To just 
you could just adapt, right? Or or all these mm-hmm. other cliche things that that people say with the best of intentions, but unfortunately, it's almost never received with the weight of their best of intentions. And yet, we overlook this huge piece of just listening, just being present, just allowing for them to share if and when they're ready. Um, yeah. I think that's a that's a really good reminder to get back to, right? And almost. All situations, <laughs> right? But especially yes. with this. Yes, it's it's is this a you need support situation or is this you need advice or you need ideas situation? Because you're right. If you step in with solutions, which is a lot of people's go-to, I understand. But like you said, oftentimes it's not received that way. A lot of times it's well, let's try to like, you know, make this problem go away, or like you're not hearing me, you're not understanding what I'm trying to express, which is I'm just trying to share my heart. And so, yeah, I think just getting clarity about what is it that I can do, because chances are, if they've been in the infertility or miscarriage sphere for a while, they probably already know a lot of the things. They've probably been staying up really late till 2 a.m., Googling everything under the sun in terms of (laughs) what they could be doing to to fix this problem, and they wish that they could. So, yeah, I agree with that, Rita, just asking them what they need. And if it's just listening, then doing that. Yeah, I love that. So one of my favorite questions to ask people when I'm talking to somebody who is sharing their infertility journey or um, perhaps their what ended up being their fertility journey, right, um, is how they were fertile during a time of infertility. And so I want to kind of flip this question on its head a little bit to you, Edward, and ask you if you think it's possible to bear fruit during a time of infertility. Absolutely, I do. Emphatically, yes. It's not always easy and it's not always obvious, but I think with great intentionality and reflection, you can live your life out in a fruitful way, or maybe you already are, and you just don't even like recognize how you're being fertile or fruitful in your in your life, in your marriage, and in your life in general. Um, I partner a lot with Springs in the Desert, which is a Catholic infertility ministry, and they're amazing. And they talk a lot about this, about, you know, um, how do we be fruitful in our marriages? How do we be fruitful in our lives? And so um, I think I think it comes down to how are you using this, this time? How are you using the energy that you do have or perhaps the pain even that you have to, to give of yourself, that total free self-gift, you know, that we are called to give. And so how can I give to my spouse? You know, as much as we would have loved to have children in our home at this point, how can I give of myself to my spouse now, you know, and, and invest in that and make that relationship deeper? You know, for example, I think I look at my marriage and I'm like, wow, I think a lot of the depth that I experienced with my wife, Kate, comes from the fact that we've had to go through the suffering together. Mm-hmm. And it's not what we would have wanted. It's not what we would have asked for. But we look back and we're like, wow, I don't, we don't think that a lot of this death would have existed without this experience. And so I would say that our marriage is fruitful in that regard, you know, and I, I think about how can, how do we give of ourselves to our loved ones? How are we available and present and supportive, you know, to uh, our siblings, to our nieces and nephews? How are we, you know, um, present for our friends who are going through rough times and I think, too, especially like how I've translated my pain, my own pain of, of infertility and, and miscarriage into my counseling work. And I know that that wouldn't have been possible without my experience. And I definitely see that pain 
being fruitful in my professional work. So to answer your question, 100%, I do believe that that can translate into uh, fruitfulness uh, in, in our lives. That's so beautiful. And I think it it also, uh, I just, I can't walk away from this conversation without at least a nod to the redemptive suffering, right? Like just the, um, for those of you that aren't Catholic, like it's the, it's the whole um, thought behind how every suffering that we experience, we can offer that back to the Lord and really partake, participate in, um, in redemption in ways that we can't even fathom as we experience it, but yet also so often those wounds just allow for us to be, to be just that, right? To give and to um, find depths of our own souls and our relationships, and um, and then to bear some some spiritual fruit in ways we couldn't even fathom. I love that. That's so beautiful hearing you explain that. So Edward, what would you say to somebody that um, currently isn't working with someone, but they just feel really lost on their fertility journey um, and they're just really struggling? Mm -hmm. Well, a couple things. One, I would encourage them to find the support of people in their lives who can offer them more validation, more accompaniment, more support. If there is somebody in your life that you know is open, somebody who is, you know, generally not said a bunch of like really dismissive things, but really, really been kind to you in the past, maybe, you know, invest in that relationship more and lean in and, and ask them to, you know, hear you out and support you on that journey. So one, lean into those relationships. Two, um, seek out peer support from other people who are going through similar journeys as you. Again, I mentioned Springs in the Desert. Um, it's a peer-based support organization, and they have so many resources, including uh, online prayer groups and um, the small groups that they that they have that meet, and just good like blog posts and YouTube videos and stuff. So I definitely recommend that because it can help you feel like, wow, there are other people out there that are going through what I'm going through and um, just to be seen and heard in that. So I recommend that. And I mean, also too, there's the unique value of, of counseling. There's no shame in reaching out to a professional and wanting support. At the end of the day, it's, would this help you? Would this make the burden a little bit less? Because there's enough heaviness to carry as is with infertility and miscarriage. You don't need to make it heavier by carrying it alone. So if you want professional assistance on, on you know how to cope with this, what are the different coping skills that we can tap into uh, in this experience, um, and also just someone who's trained in grad school to how to do these things I'm talking about, active listening and open-ended questions and empathizing, you know, start start uh, looking out. I wish that I could offer my services to everybody in the country. As of right now, I can typically only work with people inside the state of Ohio. If you are inside of Ohio reach out, let me know if I can support you. If not, feel free to still reach out to me. Um, I'm happy to support you and point you in the right direction. Um, maybe there's another Catholic therapist in your area, or maybe there's a, a infertility specialist who's not necessarily Catholic or faith-based. Um, but as long as they can be open-minded and, and learn your journey, they could be effective at this as well. So again, I just encourage you, if you feel that it's needed, to start looking uh, online and seeing if there are resources in your area, uh, particularly Catholic or uh, other counselors. Yeah, 
Definitely. Thank you so much, Edward. This has been so amazing and helpful. And I just know it's going to bless so many. So thank you so much for your time today. Well, thank you, Reed. I appreciate this, this opportunity to talk about this important, this important topic. Yes, of course. And for those of you watching or listening, I'm going to have the link in the description to Edward's website. I'll also link up Springs in the Desert. Um, I also echo they are a wonderful resource. Um, so please look them up if you are not familiar with them. So thank you so much. Thank you.